Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I'm your host, Jason Tardik, and I hope you are having an amazing start to your week. To be honest with you, last week and this week, they haven't been the best for me. Uh, physically, my focus, mentally, it's been tough. But it's okay. It's okay to have off weeks. It's okay to not be okay and come on a podcast where tens of thousands of people listen and tell you guys that it's been a little bit of a struggle. But it's okay. I'll bounce back. And I'll bounce back actually, hopefully this week, right? Because this week I am heading to Fort Lauderdale. And you say, Jason, why are you telling me you're going to Fort Lauderdale? One, because it's for work. And I tell you a lot about my work stuff and I open up the dollars and cents behind when I can. And two, because me going to Fort Lauderdale actually connects to this episode. Now, last week we had a personal financial expert on, Ramit. And we talked all about things that can change your finances. If you didn't listen to that episode, jump on it because you will walk away with 10 plus takeaways. Every week we release an episode, we try and be pretty strategic about what we're doing and why. Last week was finance. This week, we're moving into the content creator economy and specifically one of the largest YouTubers out there and learning more about that platform. But hold on before I lose you. I'm not interested in content creation. I'm not interested in YouTube. I'm not interested in that stuff. You might have to be interested. And the reason you might have to be interested because at the speed at which this is growing. And it could impact you. It can impact your businesses. It could impact your kids, maybe your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, etc. Because the creator economy is growing at a rate that is just absolutely unfathomable. About 50 million people, including artists, gaming streamers, video creators, podcasters, musicians, and social media influencers now consider themselves part of the creator economy. According to the venture capital firm Signal Fire, they call this space the fastest growing type of small business out there. That's just another reason you need to tune into this episode, regardless of what your age is or what you do. Also, the National Endowment for Arts and the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis says, and they estimate that arts and creative culture jobs contribute now more than seven hundred billion dollars to the U.S. economy. That is more than agriculture or transportation. Now, if you're still not sucked into this episode of how you might need to learn from the biggest and best YouTuber out there about strategies and monetization, how it works, I'll keep going. 30% of U.S. children want to become a YouTuber or vlogger when they grow up. Now, if I still don't have you sold, how about this? We already know the writer strike is out there. Actors are now going on strike as of last week. So the union representing about 160,000 Hollywood actors is going on strike after talks with major studios and streaming services have failed. It is the first time its members have stopped work since 1980. After a final day of negotiations, they did not produce an agreement. The union said its governing board unanimously approved a strike after the negotiating committee had recommended it Thursday morning. Think about this. Actors are now on strike. Writers are now on strike. Where is entertainment going to be? Where is new form of entertainment news consumption going? It's going to our phones, guys. It's going to content. So whether you have one follower or you have tens of millions, this is an episode you can't afford to miss. Now, I'm going to Fort Lauderdale and I'm going with the Chamber of Commerce for Fort Lauderdale. I'm actually doing a bunch of 
stops and sites and visits. And my job is to make sure that I record all them and then I'll be sharing them. And then I'm working through Live Nation on it. And I can't say the specific dollar amount of the deal because I'm contracted. At some point, I'll be able to. But it's more than I made in one month of full work as a senior vice president, corporate banker with an MBA that had 10 years and nine promotions behind him in four days and what feels like a vacation to me. So I don't tell you all this stuff to brag. I don't tell you to be an alarmist. I tell you it because it's just a massive, massive part of the world that we live in and one that we have to know more about, even if we're reluctant to do so. So let's talk about our guest today. Rebecca Zamolo. So she was an actress, but was struggling to land the big opportunity. She was also a producer. So she took matters into her own hands and said, I can do this myself. And she did. She now has over 40 million followers across social media, has billions and billions of views, all from producing content that is mostly geared toward kids and families. Now, we are not going to get into the specific nature of the content because you may not want to consume kids or family content. But we are going to get into the specific nature of how she runs her business, how much she pays to make these videos, how much she makes, where she sees it going, and tips and tricks for anyone, whether they have one follower or 10 million followers, of what they can do and how they can do it. You'll also hear her reference a name, Jimmy. Jimmy is Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast is the largest content creator on the entire platform of YouTube. What's wild about his content is each video he makes takes millions and millions of dollars to create. He actually doesn't run a profitable business. This is a guy who's generating hundreds of millions of dollars from literally social media and puts every dollar back into the product he puts out. It's crazy. But this is one episode that even if you're reluctant to understand the social media game, the content game, you need to. Because the generation that is coming up, the kids want to be involved with this. The numbers are growing by literally the second. Now, in the influencer marketing space, Goldman Sachs did a really cool report that shows what U.S. companies are planning to spend on strictly influencers only. In 2019, it was just over $2 billion. In 2020, just about $3 billion. 2021, just about $4 billion. 2022, just about 5 billion. 2023, over 6 billion. 2024 is projected to be just about 8 billion. That is only a statistic that they have looking at the budgets of large companies that are doing influencer marketing. That's a drop in the ocean of the creator economy, and you still see how big that is and how big it is growing. Get ready for it. You're going to hear about Rachel Zamolo, the YouTuber's eight-figure business. Now, before we ring in the bell with her, there's a couple things that you must know that happened in the news last week. The Biden administration announced on Friday it would automatically forgive $39 billion in U.S. student debt for over 804,000 borrowers. Now, this announcement comes weeks after the Supreme Court struck down President Joe Biden's sweeping student loan forgiveness plan, and that would have delivered relief to about 37 million people. So, not 37 million, but 804,000, and it's a $39 billion student debt forgiveness. Now, the relief is a result of fixes to the student loan system's income-driven repayment plans. Under those repayment plans, borrowers can get any remaining debt canceled by the government after they have made payments for 20 or 25 years, depending on when they borrowed their loan and 
their plan type. So make sure to check into that. And don't forget, every single episode, we give something away to the money mafia. What do we do? I have an influencer closet where PR firms, brands, and agencies send us product to try or that we might be collaborating with. And then we take the remainder and put it in the influencer closet. It's all packaged pretty up. There's some things that are valued there at 10 bucks. There are some things valued in there at over 2000 Every episode, I take one item out at random. We draw and we give it away to the money mafia. How do you enter? Just give us five stars an apple. Tell us your biggest takeaway from this episode or maybe a guest that we should have. If you've entered in the past, you can still enter now. In the following week, in the recap, we announce the winner. So you'll hear in this recap the winner from last week. So give us five stars. And also, the best thing you could do to help this small show continue to become larger and make a greater impact is subscribe for free, follow us on YouTube, and spread the word. Tag us on Instagram, on your stories, Tell your friends and family, word of mouth really, really helps Trading Secrets grow. We have a whole lot happening in the market. We have a whole lot happening in this country as it relates to creator economy. So why not bring on the biggest YouTuber out there, over 40 million subscribers to learn more about the ins and the outs of the business. Let's bring her on. Here we go. Rebecca Zamolo. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by YouTube personality, actress, and all-around entrepreneur, Rebecca Zamola. Rebecca is one of the top female YouTubers in the world with over 47 million combined followers. You even heard me. I had a little chuckle. 47 million combined followers across her social media platforms with over 9 billion views on YouTube. Rebecca made her mark in the YouTube space with her family-friendly content, which includes videos ranging from family challenges, do-it-yourself projects, 24-hour challenges, gymnastics, and much, much more. In addition to her YouTube work, she is a New York Times best-selling author and avid activist when it comes to raising awareness to various health journeys, which she has shared through her YouTube channel. I was blown away by your website, too. I mean, you guys have every accessory <laughs> item package out there. There's premium content galore, and the output of your content is just so inspirational. So there are so many ways we could tackle this interview. But Rebecca, thank you so much for being on Trading Secrets. Thank Thank you for having me, Jason. I'm excited. We've had some fun guests. We just learned that you're a big Macklemore fan, but you are our big first YouTuber that we've ever had on. So this is an area I got to start with. And I look at your channels, Rebecca. I mean, the Rebecca YouTube channel, over 14 million subscribers. Rebecca and Matt YouTube, 7 million subscribers. Game Master Network, 2.8 million subscribers. Pawzam Dogs, 1.7 million subscribers. Rebecca Maddie Challenges, 1.4 million subscribers. ZamFam Gaming YouTube, 945,000 subscribers. It is just unbelievable. And you're doing six videos, it looks like, a week. How and what does your day-to-day -day work schedule look like to get this much content out? So our production team is here Monday through Friday. And when I started, I didn't have a team. I was doing it all of myself. But in order for us to scale the quality of our content and the amount, we obviously had to grow a team. So we have five offsite editors now and about 10 people in addition to that working on our content. Okay, so that's a pretty big team, but I, I wanna also interject here because there are pretty big teams out there 
that exists. One that just comes to mind, I think about YouTube, and the reason I think about it is because they just celebrated with their plaque. Chicks in the Office have a podcast with Barstool Sports. They just hit 100,000 subscribers, and it was a huge thing. Now, I think about their show, and obviously you can't compare them to you in any way, shape, or form, but they have massive celebrities that come on. They're behind a company that has a valuation close to a billion with an army of one, two, three hundred people. You have 5, 10, 15, and you're doing 40 million plus subscribers. What has been the secret sauce? What has given you the ability to grow at the rate you have? Well, my background before I became a YouTuber was in producing. So I was an actor and I was frustrated not getting roles I wanted. And so I started producing things myself or helping other people. So I think the biggest advantage I have is my brain works like a producer. And, you know, I always say one day I'll step back behind camera and I'll produce again. I won't be on camera forever. And so that makes it a lot easier when the main person that's running it knows how to run the behind the scenes. I was older when I started social media. I wasn't, you know, a 12 year old or a 15 year old. I was already an adult. I had had experiences. I had had different jobs. And so when I went into this, I needed this to work. And so you know, when there was no schedule, I created a, a schedule that didn't exist before I was ever even making money on the platform. And I think if you can treat it like a job, that makes it a lot easier to grow because you spend this many hours studying it. You spend an hour here prepping, you know, you allot your time. And I think what a lot of people do is they're just, they're overwhelmed because they're like, how do I even start? Well, start with watching other people's content that you want to do it like watch how they do it and then create a video don't copy but you know be inspired by and it evolves over time as you grow your audience you see what they like you learn through your own data but if you can just start with you know one video a week and so for me it was like i'm going to commit to one video a week for 30 weeks and no matter what posted a video a week and then from there it was like okay i've mastered that now i'm going to try two videos a week we didn't start with six videos a week of content on different channels. We've built up to it. It's hard at first, and then you get comfortable, you find your rhythm, and then all of a sudden you become efficient. So then it gives you the ability to then add on and bring in new things. There's so many great pieces of advice just in that little discussion right there. Uh, and for my Money Mafia, we'll get to the business behind it all and the numbers. But before we do that, I really want to focus on the idea here of content creation and strategy because I think you've done it so good. And I think so many people back home, whether they have 50, 100, 1,000 followers, 5,000, they're trying to grow a small business or they have millions you know, there's ways to make impressions, to make impact, and of course, to make dollars. And you've done it so differently at such a fast speed. And so that is why I want to make sure, Money Mafia, we take some time with this segment. One of the things that you had mentioned is that you were a producer. You have seen what it's like to be behind the camera and make something special. For 99.9% .9 of us, who don't even really understand what a producer is and certainly don't have that skill set. What are some different tips or tactics you could give us back at home to think through as we're creating a short form video, as we're on a Zoom maybe in a sales meeting, as we're trying to create our first YouTube? What are some big pieces of advice you could give us that we could only get from a producer with 40 plus million followers? Well, I would start off with the concept, the title and the thumbnail for a creator. It has to draw you in. So that should be the first thing. And I've had some great videos 
that don't have a great title or thumbnail and they've underperformed. And then we've had to switch it up and then they'll perform again. So if we're talking about YouTube, title and thumbnail is the first thing. I think concept is huge. What's a concept that people would be engaged in? It's very interesting because it, it always shifts on social media, but at this time it's, it's viral content. So whereas, you know, in 2018, you're creating for your niche audience. You want to create content for that. You want to create to a broader audience. So you want to think about something that if they've never watched your video, that they will understand it, that it has the story arc and that they're satisfied by the end. It's about pulling people in and being able to tell a story from start to finish in the length of time for the piece of content you're creating. And for the virality piece, which is so important these days, especially to get eyeballs on your work, what are some things that you have found uh, that create a higher likelihood of a piece of content going viral? That's something I'm still studying, um, but I would say something that anyone can relate to. So it's relatability with your audience. You know, if you're starting from scratch, I would look at other videos that went viral and studying up on trends. There's different places, Google trends. You can see like, what is trending? What are people searching for? And then there's the aspect of how does that like connect to you? Because essentially you're building your brand and viral content is great, but you need to, how does that tie into what, who you are? For example, if I saw a trend of like a guy holding a toilet seat and it was like the wife was putting the seat down, showing the guy how to do it. But I'm like, okay, you can just copy it, which a lot of people do. Or what's your spin on that? And so I was a new mom. And so I'm going to show how to change a diaper and throw it in the diaper bin. Being a new mom, a lot of people follow me for that. And so it's like taking that trend and and making it your own and like how it fits your brand. Because at the end of the day, these are great, but you really want that core audience that knows everything about you that follows you for you the idea of just looking at what is viral out there and then using it as a thought starter and then customizing it to your lifestyle to your demographic to your situation you had mentioned google trends is one way to see what is trending and what's viral what is another way if someone's like i love this idea rebecca i'm gonna go do it right now What's another way people can go find, quote unquote, viral content to study? Um, I mean, I would, I, there's, there's different sites. You can do vidIQ is one that we use a lot for YouTube. There's the trending page on YouTube, which isn't necessarily always accurate, but you can kind of see what YouTube is looking for to promote. Um, and then on TikTok, it's your for you page. That's, that is exactly what is trending. The more you watch it, the more you see it. There is a way to even go in on YouTube and see with vidIQ, which videos have gotten the most amount of views in the shortest time based on the channel size and ratio. And you can see if there's a smaller channel that has a huge amount of views on a video, you know that that's probably something that you could you know, use or do something with. Stay tuned to the recap. I'm gonna have the Curious Canadian try to use vidIQ. And if he can do it, you know you can do it. And we'll talk a little bit about the steps in the recap. But I got to ask you, we're talking about trending, we're talking about virality. What is the hottest thing going in the last 48 hours as we're recording this? 
is the Threads app right now, right? Mark Zuckerberg competing with Twitter. It has blown up 30 million subscribers he got in, I think it was seven hours, which took over two years for Twitter to get that amount of growth. Now, I looked at uh, at Threads and I tried to search you. I didn't see you on there. So tell me a little bit about why you're not on there, if that search was correct, and what your take is on the overall Threads app as of today. I have to get on it actually after this call. I have the link and I just didn't do it. Um, I haven't started it yet. I think it's important to jump on to apps. Like I think that you should always be open. I think that's the important thing is you should always be open to new apps and moving. Um, I also think though that with anything, it's important to understand it and have a strategy. Now I'm going to get on it and play with it. But I think the bigger thing is for it to be successful is I would need to have like a strategy as to why I'm doing it instead of just jumping on it. So I think that is something that I haven't studied yet. So for me to be on trends and use it, I would have to really deep dive into how it's going to do well and how I'm using that to connect with my audience. I do think it has the chance of being successful. I like the link of your Instagram followers can now, you know, connect with you in a different way. I think that's what we're losing right now. And that's why we're struggling as a, you know, as a society, we're, we're seeking like connection, yet we're making viral content, which leaves you no connection. And so that's the struggle. You're not creating necessarily for your audience. You're creating for people that don't know you. And so it is that challenge. And I think with that comes an emptiness where you don't get to feel that connection that maybe you got to have before with your audience. And so I think we're struggling to try to figure out how do we get back that connection? I know that's the biggest thing for me is um, I'm making viral content or I'm, I'm trying to create for the masses, but I want that connection with my subscribers and the people that follow me too. So it's, it's like this give and take. And I think threads is a, is, is trying to help build that connection back again, especially with Instagram's algorithm where you're not seeing your friends, you're not seeing, you're seeing who they think they want you to see. It's like you get even less um, of that connection. So I, I'm hoping that threads can do that and really help build the community back. That's fascinating to hear that intersection point of growth via virality but also building the community and this interpersonal relationship. Because just because you get viral eyeballs doesn't necessarily mean you have that community built. And from everything I've analyzed and looked at over the years in content creation, while the virality is so important, it's that community aspect that really creates the engagement, which creates the purchases, which creates a lot of the dollars. I want to get into the idea that you said, I have to have a strategy before I go on, because I think about it. In your world, I'm just imagining this, but I'm sure you have a great team of strategists and I could see you guys in the think tank coming up with it and all these different pushback and moving parts and then executing. I think for my money mafia back home, that's like a dream for them. So I'm not going to hold you to this, that you're going to execute on this exact strategy, but give me an idea of what one strategy might look like for you before you do actually start threading away or entering into a social media app. Um, I can use you as the best example. Perfect. So you probably are linked to other types of creators that do the similar content, not the same, but money management, investing. I would go and look at them and I would see what kinds of things they are doing. And then I would look at their best performing tweets 
or I don't know what they're called now on threads, your best performing threads and see what they said. And I would study if you have similar audience, how their audience is reacting to certain threads that they are posting. So then I would then also look at overall on the platform, who is growing the fastest and why are they growing? You know, if, if this is all, you know, algorithmic based and, you know, people like, why are people coming to these, to these pages? Why are people liking it? And, um, and then based off that, I would then say, okay, um, I see this creator, this is doing really well. I see that this type of content is doing really well as how now do I take that with my brand and what I do and formulate the threads for my audience? That's something I think I'm going to put into practice and hopefully Money Mafia back home, you could put that into practice. My last question as far as content strategy and creation is I read something recently from Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast is, is right at uh, Rebecca's level when it comes to following and content growth. Jimmy is is the biggest on the platform. He's amazing. The biggest. He's wildly, wildly impressive. But he had said in an interview, I could be behind the scenes. I can pick someone. I can consult them without my name being anywhere. And I could have them at over a million followers on any platform within three months. And to me, that was mind-blowing. Then Threads comes along. Of course, there's crossover with following. And he has a huge name. But he's on there and he has the most followers of probably anybody on the platform, probably more than Zuckerberg at this point. And what I saw him doing a lot of, though, was big time giveaways. These giveaways that have you jaw dropped. I'm giving away a Tesla for comments, like things like that. I also saw on your channel at a, at a different level in your last video, you had done a giveaway with a cell phone, like free cell phone if you subscribe. How important are giveaways to actually gain a following at first. That's tricky. Jimmy's brand is based off that. You know, when you think of him, he's doing these outrageous amounts of money. And I mean, he's losing money on videos. He spends more than he can ever make on these videos. And I think that's what his brand is. I don't think you need to have that. There's different types of creators. I like to give back to my subscribers, but the most important thing at the end of the day is the connection. There's already a Mr. Beast. So, you know, to beastify it is, is one thing. I don't think that fits me. Yeah. And you've done it at a level like no other. And for people back home, go watch the last video that is up on Rebecca's YouTube. I was murdered by a princess. It was put up five days ago, 2.1 million views, 2.7 a thousand comments. And the thing though, that just took me by surprise was the length of this, Rebecca, 28 minutes, 48 seconds of picture perfect video, actors, outfits, changes. Let's get into the numbers a little bit. A video like that, 30 minutes, that is so high quality. I feel like it could be on Netflix. When you look at all of your YouTube videos, what do you think the most is that you ever spent on one video? We had a stage set up in our backyard. That was a big production because it was like a musical. So that was probably our most expensive, but under $10,000. You can do a lot with a little. And that's really what I like to like show. We obviously like to elevate our props and we'll make big things. But I try my best to be resourceful and not waste things. And so we're constantly reusing it, doing a facelift on it. For instance, we just made this like box frame and, and we'll use it in 
a bunch of different ways. And we're using that for one video, but then we'll probably create a short with it. So we really don't spend a lot on our videos. Okay, got it. When you look at where you were before to where you are now with your content creation, and you analyze each year and you think about all the different revenue breakdowns, what was the worst year that you guys ever had? And what has been a number from like an annual revenue standpoint that you just never in your wildest dreams imagined you would ever reach? I did it for so many years where I was making nothing under 20K a year and had to, you know, offset it with other jobs. Um, but then it jumped really fast um, once it started going. I think everyone thinks it happens overnight. And I think for some people it does and they don't know how to handle it. I think for me, it was 10 years of nothing. And then it happened overnight. You know, I had been creating videos. I had been producing. I'd done all of this stuff. If someone looked in, they'd say it happened overnight, but it spent so many years creating content. It's just like it happened very fast where people got to know who I was. I think for me, when I hit six figures is really exciting. And then hitting eight figures with our company, I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. I never did it for money, but I always treated it like a business. I always wanted to do this for a living. And I think that doing it for money, you will get burnt out really fast. You really will with social media. It's got to be more. You've got to love creating and studying and also knowing that the platforms with social media, like you, it's hard to stay relevant, consist, like keep, you, we see people going up and then they drop and you never hear from them and, and understanding it from like a 10, 20 year plan versus like, I want instant fame right now. Um, has been really important. So I don't know if I've answered your question. I think that's fair. Eight figures. So from 20K to six figures to seven figures, it's now in the eight figure range for anyone that is under trying to understand what that means. Seven figures, million to nine, eight figures, 10 million and up. When you look at that top line of whatever that eight figure number is, 10, 20, 30 million, whatever it is, and then you break down where the revenue is coming from, how does the percentage change as it relates to premium subs, merch, um, sponsored content, AdSense? So if people are trying to think like, where is the true dollars in this world, they can start navigating themselves. How would you break down revenue? Well, I would say that depending on your niche, at least probably 60 to 70 comes from our ad revenue because we have seven channels. I think we do seven figures in merch. And then we have other ventures as well that we move it, but primarily right now, and then brand deals as well. And I, but I do think it varies from niche to niche. Like investing, I would think that you guys would put out YouTube content, but I would think that there would be other sources of revenue. Totally. Yeah. In our world, there's sources of revenue, like having ownership and a new platform, like you can get equity stakes. Um, you can have founders on different shows and interviews, and they'll pay a good amount if you include other sponsored advertising with it. And I, I've had been fortunate to have a couple too, like year type deals with bigger financial companies. But the problem is you give your exclusivity. Um, there's opportunities with courses and books and stuff like that. So I agree niche by niche. But the one thing I've heard consistently with YouTube, because I'm not really big into YouTube, is that there's much more money in getting ads that are integrated into your video that you're doing sponsorship as opposed to letting Google run just the ads that you see on the YouTube, like, oh, you can skip after 10 seconds. 
But I think what I'm hearing for you is a larger percentage of your actual revenue does come from those ads that Google's just playing through each of your videos. That's correct. Yes. I, I think it's different for everyone. But for me, I'm very picky with the brands. We have a younger audience and I just don't feel right promoting something that I'm not fully confident in. So we turn down a lot of brand deals because it it just doesn't feel right. I totally support that. I think that is awesome. When you look back at all the deals you've done, whether it's sponsored deals or not, can you think of the most you've been paid for delivery? Do you have one marquee deal that you did in your career that you're like, all the work paid off? I mean, it, on my channel where it's at right now, it you're looking at like six figures for a deal. But again, none of it, it it's so hard because when you in integrate those, they also you also want to create the best content. And sometimes it's it's managing what the brand wants with your content. Because at the end of the day, like you want your channel to perform well. And so if you take these brand deals and your videos start tanking, it can hurt everything. So six figures is around what um where it would be if I were to put something in my YouTube on my YouTube channel. Okay, I got it. We just have a few minutes left. I want to do two rapid fires. So let's start with this. The first rapid fire, the biggest content creation mistake either you've made or that you see people making that you're like, if you don't do one thing, don't do this. What would you say that would be? I would say copying content. It can work for a little bit, but if you don't have your brand and who you are and you don't have a twist that... It, it's it's short-term success, but there's no longevity if you don't build a connection with your subscribers or your following. That's a really, really good one. The second question, a long-term strategy. Let's take content creation out of the way. You have the media company, you're doing eight figures. Now the money is coming in left and right. I need one and one. One tax tip that you've initiated and then one financial tip that you've used and implemented to either invest or make money on your money or think about the long term with all the money's coming in. Well, we hired a business manager. You know, he he's helped bring us to where we're at. So I think if you can get a business manager, someone that knows it and that you trust and it doesn't happen overnight, over time we've built up more trust. And then as far as investing, my other passion is real estate. So anything we make, we not all of it, but real estate is where we invest a lot of our YouTube income because you know it becomes passive. We have a lot of Airbnbs. We have about 15 properties. Amazing. Oh, Rebecca, I could have a million more questions to ask you, but I know time is finite, but we have to end and we end every guest. They give us a trading secret. So it could be a money trading secret, a career trading secret, just a life trading secret, something that they can't get in a textbook or Google. They can only get it from you, Rebecca. What would be one trading secret you could leave us with? One trading secret is cost segregation for real estate. If you do real estate and you own a rental property, cost segregation, it costs you know between seven to ten thousand. It, it varies on the price. You bring someone out there, but you can get a lot of money back. I'll let you guys do the research on it, but um, it saved us a lot of money on our rental properties. I didn't even know what it was a year ago. And we've been able to use that on our rental properties. It's so funny you brought up cost segregation. It's something I've been talking a little bit on the show. And it's something that could have a huge, huge impact on decreasing your taxable income. For the money mafia, Rebecca has to get going. 
But in the recap, I'll break down more about cost segregation so you could walk away with that piece of advice in detail if you aren't familiar with it. But Rebecca, I want to give you the chance to promote all your channels where people can find you. I mean, I know there's a whole lot of them, but where can people find more Rebecca if they want more and want to see your content and learn more from you? Uh, my channel is Rebecca Zamolo. I'm Rebecca Zamolo on all social media, TikTok, Instagram. I'm going to have to get on threads after this. <laughs> uh, so you can find me there. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jason, for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you so much for breaking the taboo of talking about your career, the money behind it, and the success you've had. It has been a pleasure having you on Trading Secrets. Thank you for having me. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell to the 47 plus million, million followers on social media, the tactics, the strategies. What a wild, wild episode. Eight figures. You're talking well over $10 million off social media. That's probably the highest earner we've ever had from social media, but I really, really like the different tactics and strategies and how she treats this business. David, so much to tackle, so much to talk about. What are you thinking? Yeah, Rebecca was super impressive. My biggest takeaway that we can get into the weeds in later is just how much someone can put into their own research for their own business and their own industry when they're just that uber successful. Like you said, eight figure takeaway, 10 million plus. So it could be way more than that. And she's still diving into what makes people viral, what's successful that she can put into her own videos to maximize her. The big takeaway for me is, you know, we were kind of talking offline, social media, especially Jay, like people think you either got or you don't. And it's clearly just not the case. And she kind of brought that to, to fruition and to, to my eyes for sure. I think one of the big things here is that social media content creators or influencers, certainly in my opinion, don't have much respect as it relates to people's opinion on the overall career. I think the younger generation like looks up to idolizes, but like our generation and up millennials and up, there's no respect towards it. We think about a doctor, a surgeon, a big time attorney, and you're like, whoa, that's impressive. But what this individual is doing is t literally taking the same type of strategy and, and thought process of these extreme high professions, these extreme tactful day-to-day -day activities is applying it to social media and is making more than the managing partners, the CEOs, the biggest surgeons out there doing it. And this was one of the most eye-opening things that the whole IQ behind the social media is everything and the work ethic is what's going to drive those numbers up. Whether people hate it, respect it, or chirp it, it is a massively growing industry and one that's becoming bigger than almost any out there. The, the first thing I want to bring up is our absolute um, tight race right now for our first ever pros versus Joes. Obviously, I stuck with a golf company, which is near and dear to my heart, but you, you touched on Meadow because the threads thing's going on and you brought up threads in this uh, episode. So I want to, are you still on the threads bandwagon? Let's quickly touch on threads. So David just alluded to something called pros versus Joes. It's a new segment we're trying on the Trading Secrets podcast Instagram page. Every Wednesday, the Joe, Curious Canadian, is going to pick out one stock he likes just based on his gut. And I am going to pick one stock I like based on what I'm reading in the news. We're going to track it for the week and then we're going to see who outperforms who based on the 
the stock that's selected, and we'll do it every week. So go follow us on Trading Secrets podcast page. Now, when we talk about um, threads, what's interesting is I read an article today that dozens of Twitter employees have been spotted on Meta's new social platform, and some were interviewed saying, Threads is just better. And some other things I just can't get over now, over 100 million downloads, and Thread has taken the crown as the most rapidly downloaded app ever, easily outstripping chat GPT. So the big question of will it kill Twitter is still up for discussion, but it is moving. It's moving at a fast pace. And David, are you on it yet or no? No, I hate to report that I'm not. Um, but I'm, you know what, Jay? I'm going to get on it today. That is my promise to you. Next week, you can hold me accountable. I know sometimes I don't pull through, but I'm going to. Because you know why? It makes me reminisce a little bit when I'm seeing people's threads that they're posting on IG. It throws me back to the day when we used to have Facebook statuses. You know, Facebook statuses, David is going to the mall. David is hung- hungry for a sandwich. Like, I want to get unhinged on threads and just kind of tell people what I'm doing in my current life. David is calming Carter down who's having a meltdown. That's just it. That's how I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it like Facebook statuses. I like that. And just an update for the recap. You know, I went to go see Rebecca on threads and she's still not there. Mm. So she must still be strategizing as to what her process and play will be. So there's some threads talk, but I also gave you some activities here because I found it interesting, David, that she, like the way that she talked about story arcing, I think that story arcing is something that's critically important to when you're just telling a story at a dinner when you're doing an interview, when you're doing a sales pitch, when you're on a date, whatever it might be, story arcing is huge. And I also liked her idea, just the whole ideology of the research she does behind trends with Google Trends, vidIQ, trending pages to see what is trending and then to customize it to herself. So for you, did you try vidIQ? Is it easy? Could anybody just jump on it and give it a go, or is it pretty complex? It is so simple. I'm actually on it right now. Go to YouTube, go to the search bar, vidIQ, and automatically, boom, 1.55 million subscribers. You can go on, and there's just so many self-help videos, how to get your first 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, how to get 1,000 subscribers from one video in one week, uh, before and after testimonials of people um, trying new tactics. There's someone who's uber successful at this, who's still going on this, to research, to maintain, to you know, make her process more efficient and more successful. One thing that I want to mention that you said story arcing is a quote that she said, don't just go after the viral content because she wants to create um, connection with her community. So she said creating viral content actually creates a lack of connection, which is so interesting. And, you, and the Mr. Beast videos are interesting about that because they're such far-fetched ideas that obviously get so many eyeballs, but you talk about social media like not connecting us. I think something the trading secrets we do is trying to always give our listeners a take home from it and not go super viral with what we're doing. So that kind of takeaway combined with the vidIQ and the research that she did, I just kind of blown away by how like ingrained she is in the whole industry. And it goes back to Ramit's advice from last week where he said, if you're just starting out, even if it's a small business or you're trying to apply any of this to content creation, focus less on trying to get everybody to like it and to get a very, very small community of people to love it. Now with the research I know owning the agency, if you get those videos going viral, 
you will get paid off of views from YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, etc. However, it's going to be tougher to get the sponsored deals because the sponsored deals, which oftentimes are much more lucrative, those are only going to go to people that do have a community, which is fascinating. A few things from the dollars and cents that I found fascinating. About $10,000 for her to make the most expensive video. Her average cost, I talked to her a little bit about after the show, was about three to 5K. We also talked talked a little bit after the show about Snapchat. She's seeing people right now make 40,000 to a million dollars per month on Snapchat. So some of those numbers were were really really fascinating to me. Uh, one thing that she brought up as a financial tip that I have to bring up is cost segregation. So obviously um, something that I don't know the exact definition of and how it relates, but what can you what can you kind of follow up on on in terms of cost segregation as a good financial tip? Agree, disagree, educate me. What do you got? Agree 100%. It is a strategy that will allow you to uh, depreciate an asset that you are buying so that you can reduce your overall income. So I'll break this down for you, David, and let me know where and if I lose you at all. Cost segregation, what it actually is, is a study. It could be generalized by an accountant, or you can actually pay for it to get it seriously done by a professional, where they will identify the property costs that can be depreciated over either a five, seven, or 15-year period. And so essentially what this does, David, is if you buy a piece of, let's say, real estate with your business, and you're using it for either, like she said, Airbnbs, you're renting it out, or using it for office space, whatever it is, There are things that you can do to improve the property that would fall under the bucket of cost segregation in which you can depreciate it. So suppose I buy a $500,000 commercial property. I can do things to that property in which there might be a qualification of about 300K that I could depreciate. If I can depreciate 300K, Currently, with bonus depreciation, it's 80%. So I would take 80% times 300K. That amount, if qualified through cost segregation, CPAs, et cetera, I could reduce from my income. So suppose I make a million bucks and suppose I have, let's say, 250 grand that I can write off in bonus depreciation in one year, as opposed to being taxed on the million dollars of net income. I would only be taxed on 750000 if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It also shows why in life that we need to hire these people who know what they're doing. And if there was someone who could be your life coach, who could know all these things from accountants to real estate tips and tricks to whatever, I would be in a much better place in life and probably have a lot less anxiety. (laughs) Exactly. The other thing too is this hasn't been around forever. It usually comes and goes in recession. It's usually a strategy to jumpstart the economy. But people are saying that bonus depreciation is eventually going to go away and go away soon. A lot of CPAs are projecting that. Last year, you could write off up to 100% of bonus depreciation. This year, it's down to 80%. So the big question mark is when will that be eliminated? Well, that is very helpful. I don't know if I will be in the cost segregation. Uh, Maybe I will. You never know what's on the horizon once I get on the Threads app and blow up and start buying real estate all over the market. So um, you just never know. The number one takeaway from this episode, research it. Know the ins and the outs. Help yourself out. Don't look at the other person and wonder, I wish I could be like them. Put your head down. Do some research. Better your business. Better your industry. I take it like the hockey angle, right? I don't look at another program or another team just thinking, oh, I wish I could be like them. 
You got to put your head down, see what they're doing for recruiting, you know, what they're doing for their development, what they're doing for their travel. And like she said, copy it and then put your own spin on it. So it's authentic to yourself. So I took a takeaway from home. I know you probably did Jay as a content creator yourself. Um, and I hope everyone, all of our listeners did as well. 10K for the most expensive video. On average, three to 5K. You're looking at people on Snapchat making 40K to a million a month just snapping away. Her business is now doing over eight figures. There is money to be made here and there are ways to monetize your channels. There are ways to continue to build up your brand no matter what you do through social media or your businesses. Let's do a giveaway. You guys give us five stars. We give you something. Just go to Apple. Give us five stars. Give us a review. Tell us your biggest strategy that you took away from Rebecca. Tell us a guest we should have, whatever it is. And every single week in the recap, we raffle off one winner. And David, what do you know? The username for this review is Rde RDE77. RDE77. Macklemore, short, sweet, but packed a big punch. First off, I love the diversity of your interviewers. I appreciate that it's not all Bachelor franchise guests, but everyone from smaller influencers to Super Bowl winners to huge artists. Love the interview with Mac Lamore and how real and down to earth he is. Most musicians come off as flashy, but I loved how he explained that's just a persona and he tries not to get caught up in the flashiness. Not that anybody wants to see an artist struggle, but I think it makes us appreciate their success much more. That's already 77. Make sure you reach out to us, trading secrets at jasontardic.com. We got a giveaway for you, David, before we wrap. You want to leave us with anything? I'm going to Italy with the little one uh, next week. So I am fired up for that. So hopefully I have a nice story for you guys. Holy shit, Italy. Okay, we need all the details, all the stuff as it relates to the currency exchange, the dollars, the cents, the cost. So get ready. Next recap, I want to hear it. Cost of going to Italy with a three-month-old. Oh, that's got to be a lot mentally, physically, and fiscally. But we'll review that next week. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets You Can't Afford to Miss. Holy smokes, guys. We have a jam, jam-packed bank of episodes. I think we might have to go with the car mom next. So from social media back to consumer purchasing, if you are looking for a car, if you are thinking about a car, you want to know the brands to buy, how to beat the dealers, the things they might get you on get ready because we got the car mom coming on and we will see you next week. Money, money.